Welcome to the Wrestle Down! Wrestle Down! Yeah! I'm Jer Palapal. Dan is Bruno. And our mascot, Keaton the Kitten Man, once again rubbing our table with his face for good luck. Gotta mark territory. It's how Reigns does it, how Orton does it, how the best of all time do it. I rub my face on so many things, <laughs> and I have all the luck. <laughs> uh, we're here to talk wrestling, keep the positive vibes going uh, through the summer heat. Um, hey, Keaton. It's so hot. He's got a fur coat, but he keeps it cool like Carlito, but he doesn't spit apples. No, he doesn't eat apples at all. Nope. Not that I know of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's been like a, uh, how, what the fuck's been going on in wrestling? <laughs> I haven't so been, much. Like, I literally so little has been going on. I listened to the most recent uh, Not Your Demographic podcast, mm-hmm. and they talked about Shakespeare for like 40 minutes out of a 45, or out of a 50, or an hour long episode. Nice. And it was like, yeah, because there's not much going on, really. Well, I'm, we're at the part of the G1 tournament, at least, where instead of getting blocks of matches two, three days at a time, we're getting a day and then a break, a day yeah. and then a break. So yeah. the pacing is definitely slower. Um, this is the part in the WWE calendar where everything is building towards SummerSlam after all the weird summer buggery that they do with things like Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans disappearing. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah, that's true. I forgot that they haven't been on TV since, uh, not not as much, at least, right. since they lost. So it slow builds towards bigger events, which honestly is kind of what we clamor about a lot anyway, of just rather than hot-shotting things that are half-baked ideas, like slowly trying to march towards bigger endpoints, which has led us towards things like SummerSlam and TakeOver, which we're going to talk yeah. about later. Yeah. Um, it just feels like... It feels like SummerSlam's like a month away. It does, but it's a week and a half. Yeah, I know. So that's like that's why I mean it's like it feels so small this year for some yeah. reason. Well, I mean it. I feel like the build to SummerSlam has been similar to like the builds to WrestleManias mm. and their other big four temples, where we're used to as fans for so long having had conditioned weeks of, if not months, of build towards these big blow off events. But because of things like the network and social media so much gets burnt so quick yeah not even week to week but day to day that long-term storytelling has kind of gone by the wayside in terms of just trying to hotshot people for eyeballs right i know it's just it's yeah and i think the raw reunion kind of took some of the momentum out yep because like nothing happened on there so right i mean and, and in fairness to like other companies aside from wwe Tennille dashwood signed up with impact mm-hmm. so impact continues to be a company that's kind of a bastion for a lot of good north american females women's wrestling yeah really if you can find them yeah i know well i mean they're on twitch they're on pursuit yeah <laughs> they're on the outdoor channel but they're also on twitch and that's yeah. uh you know the, the problem is just having to open another app and then type in a couple more things. Yeah. It's just annoying compared to when I was able to have them in my DVR. Right. I mean, it's it's the use case for anybody who uses technology or any kind of yeah. entertainment. The more steps there are, the least, less likely they are to either teach themselves how to use it or seek it out themselves if they've never done it. Yeah. So, it, yeah, and it's funny because when I when I saw Tennille Dashwood signing up for Impact, I was like, yeah, fuck Ring of Honor again. Yeah, really. Because, like, Mary Klein, or Kelly Klein, who um, won the title at MSG in April mm-hmm. when I was there, and she uh, beat Mayu Iwatami, I'm just like, yeah, where the hell's the rest of your division? Nowhere? Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh. Why'd you bother? Well, I mean, they did come out and do that, like, mid-2000s, like, diva <laughs> stable thing. Yes, they did. Yeah. Which, it, oh, God. So... Yeah, we're at a point with WWE women's booking where 
at least there's going to be multiple matches on SummerSlam and Takeover. Yeah, that's just rare. Absolutely. That and honestly, that's probably the bigger, the better thing to focus on is that it's going to be Mia Yim and Shayna Baszler for the title, but also Eva Shirai versus Candice LeRae. Yeah, which is easily, at least for me, more more uh, exciting because it's Eva Shirai as a heel for the first time in the WWE, and Candice LeRae who can carry anybody to a great match. Yep. Yeah, and uh, not that. Uh, anyone in the, out of those four needs any carrying. No. It's going to be a really good event. But, I, and I, I say that in the sense of, this is the first time we're, like, a WWE audience is seeing Helio mm. Shirai. Right. So Candice is absolutely a good person to help convey, this is why she's oh, totally. different, more aggressive, more violent, more bitterly driven by for selfish reasons. Yeah. Which... It, NXT is kind of the best place for somebody who's not a native English speaker to do that mm-hmm. through action versus just like conflated, stupid, confusing promos. Right. She can come out and say, I don't need friends, I don't need you people, and just hit people with chairs and backbreakers, and we're good. I think that's the last thing I saw in NXT, and then I got a like, I'm still catching up. Mm. So we're going to save our uh, SummerSlam and TakeOver previews for next week yep. when uh, we can preview them in full because they always announce like three or four matches the week of. Yeah. Or the night before. Yeah. Good so, point. yeah, I mean, things, it, I would agree, things feel a little bit slower. Yeah. Um, I mean, in t- like, sadder news for today, uh, King mm. Harley Race passed away, or That's handsome right. Harley Race, a lot of monikers, yep. a legend of the ring, lived to be 76, was bans- battling cancer, and lost his battle with that, but yep. what I appreciate in in sadder times like these is Tommaso Ciampa put out this really excellent post that he put up, I think, a couple of years ago, Yeah, talking about how when he was trying to find his footing, Harley he went to Harley Race's camp, learned a ton by sitting under Harley's learning tree, did tape learning with him, learned a lot of nuance about how to wrestle and how to build a character and how to frame a wrestling match, and it's one of those moments where, you know, you, you feel sad that you're saying goodbye to somebody, but you get to appreciate how much they've given to the rest of like the industry as a whole. Yeah. So there, there's your bright spot. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely legend. Um, I haven't seen a shit ton of his stuff, but mm. like I've seen a bunch of his matches with like Flair and and the, the like. Yeah, he's great. I mean, th- there's a lot of people. It almost got thrown around. Like the term "hard man" got thrown around mm. to describe a lot of '80s wrestlers, where you're just kind of like. So Paul Ondorf, hard man, mm. Big Van Vader got knocked out in like swim flip flops. <laughs> And, like, Harley Race, whenever he would be brought up, it was always synonymous with certain things, like, respectful, mm-hmm. incredibly tough, one of the legitimate hard men that could absolutely hold his own inside of a ring if he ever got in a fight. Yep. And, yeah, his legacy lives on through tons of modern wrestlers, classic wrestlers, legends, and they, even though that term gets bandied about a lot. Yep. So, rest in peace, Harley. Yep. Uh, you know what? I will say this. The It's kind of nice. The WWE... Um fucking app, like, you know, they refreshed it so that it's a little bit more, and they do have, like, good, they do have a Harley Race page with uh, highlights and stuff. Yeah. It's a lit. they're fucking, their organization's still a little bit off, but it's better than it was. Yeah. So. Nice thing. Yeah, it's definitely more accessible. What I pre- just transitioned over to, like, talking about the app and its interface. Yeah. It, it, similar to what we were talking about before, find an impact. Like, getting to the point in the... WWE app on your phone or on a browser just to watch NXT every week mm-hmm. was like seven, like four or five clicks, which is not a lot of time, but it was annoying that you would always have to look for it if yeah. that's just what you want to watch. And now you can click once and you're taken immediately to it and then you're off and running. Yep. That's why I watched it today. Nice. I still use Hulu because I don't want to give 
them my attention yeah in that sense i do piggyback off a of friend of the show ben moser's account and i'm glad that i do because mm-hmm. yeah i agree with that economics yeah. right um yeah uh g1 action uh what was your favorite highlights of the past week oh uh for, before I, I chime in did you see today's yes i have Excellent. so we can we can talk all spoilery we want up to Tor- now oh Toriyano, you brilliant, brilliant man. I was screaming. I was yeah. like, <laughs> like that was like even by like Yano standards, that was really smart. Uh, yeah. If you haven't seen it, uh, John Moxley has been undefeated up until now, and the stakes of this match would have been that if uh, Mox continued his winning streak and beat Toriyano, uh, like half of the B block in the G one would have been eliminated. Yep, uh, just in one fell swoop. But Yano fucking pulled off the win by being smart and also by uh, cheating horrendously. He duct taped John Moxley's leg to Shota Imunu's leg at like 12 or 13, which like for comedy wrestlers, I feel like it's very easy to not really listen to ref counts and yeah. just kind of go through motions. It's like so much of New Japan, their their beats are so purposeful that it, it's so great to enjoy that, like, he could have just taped him up at, like, two or three yeah. or whatever. They waited until there was no possible way Moxley could have won. So the excitement just builds and builds and builds. And, like, he, now he's done taping. Yeah. Now he's in the ring. Th- this is already done, but it's already exciting. Yeah. It's, oh, so um, good. Yeah. I mean, they do so many close calls with the uh, the, the, the countouts. Yeah. That, like, this time, it was, I mean, I think they had a couple in this match. And then he puts the taper. I mean, he put uh, Moxley taped Yano to one of the rails. Yep. And that was one of the near uh, countouts. And yeah. then he taped Moxley's leg to Shota Umino's leg, and they had to three-legged race it. It's it's fun because, like, also because uh, Moxley, you know, famously was, like, hated all the goofy shit in WWE, but, like, framed right. You know, some goofy shit works out very well and has, like, consequences. Right. And I feel like silence in any form of media is a tool that, when used well, adds so much depth to whatever's happening in the larger narrative. Yeah. And with Moxley... He just sat <laughs> kneeling in the ring, staring at nothing yeah. for like a solid minute and a half, two minutes. His expression didn't change. All The only thing that changed was like inhale, exhale. Yeah. He could not believe that his first loss in the biggest tournament in arguably his entire wrestling career came from getting taped to a man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he did a flare face flop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. So, and like... Played into Yano's tactics. Like, Yano grabbed a pad, he grabbed a chair. Yeah. Yano grabbed a pad, he grabbed a pad. Like... He's one of those guys, like you had said, he played into goofy things because he had to in WWE, but he's smart enough to know when to play into them in New Japan in a way that doesn't cheapen his character. Mm -hmm. He's still the purveyor of violence. He's still super into aggression and violence, but just played a funnier, lighter match. It was so much more entertaining that way. Yeah. Um, Yeah, he also kind of showed a little bit of that in the match with uh, uh, Naito, uh, the previous B-Block match, which was... Uh, I th- I like that match a lot. Yeah, yeah. That that is the type of match that what's your appetite for a series of matches? Mm-hmm. And I feel like especially modern WWE booking conditions, you just think, okay, they're gonna do like two, three, four, five matches with Ziggler or whoever in right. just like these already contrived kind of cycles. I want to see Naito fight fate Moxley again, and I'd either be fine if they traded wins or if Moxley beat him again, so that I'd get excited for Naito to get him in the rubber match. Yeah, I think. Um... Yeah, I mean, Naito is the IC champion, Yep. and Moxley beat him. Uh, yeah, it was a great, like, it was kind of the opposite of the Naito match in the sense that uh, it was most, the early part was mostly built around Naito 
trying to be tranquilo right. and trying to like just get under Moxley's skin and Moxley being like uh, an attack dog on a leash like I'm just, I just want to beat you up but then Naito would just roll out of the ring and be calm and chill and take uh, four fucking ever <laughs> to take his uh, entrance gear off yeah I love it. I love how I love watching all of the personalities like bounce off of each other. Yep. Like Juice Robinson trying to do the same thing to Naito that Naito does to everybody else, and both of them like trying to as slowly as possible take their entrance gear off. It's super points to Robinson because in the tag on mm. Tuesday before mm. their match today, um, Naito kept just like taunting him, taunting him by doing his arm pump for uh, the juice punches to yep. juice, juice, juice. And Naito kept doing it into the match, so it was this fun connecting thread. Yeah. But Juice, to his credit, with all of his big flamboyant floppy hat and long coat and silly glasses, he wore his t-shirt, and they mm-hmm. took it off, and he was wearing his t-shirt. And they took it off, and he was wearing his t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, ah, oh, it's like yeah. a Russian nesting doll. It was, I, I um, texted Patrick about this, friend of the show, Patrick O'Connor. I was just like, Juice, two years ago, was desperate to get respect from Goto. Yeah. And that was his whole G1 thread a couple of years ago. It was just like, I just want to compete really hard and maybe win a couple times, and that'll right. be it. I want to be kind. I want to be respectful. This year, he's in second fucking place of the B Block. Yep. He's ahead of Naito, J- uh, Jay White, y- Ishii, Goto. He's ahead of almost everybody. Who- he's ahead of everyone who isn't Moxley. He right. scored as many points as Kazuchika Okada, Kenta, Ibushi, mm-hmm. Tanahashi. It's nuts. Uh, he doesn't have as many points as Okada. I think. Oh, you're right. You're right. Because right. un- Okada's unbeaten. Yeah. But yeah, he's, he's doing very well. Yeah. As well as like the aces of the company. That's what happens when you scored six points last year with a broken hand. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. It's just logical booking that he'd be strong. Also, he's pumped up because he lost the U.S. title. Yeah. Which, and by the way, Yano is due two title shots, in my opinion. Right? <laughs> oh, that's part of why, like, the whole B-block, best block it, like, yeah. catchphrase is, like, they have three champions in the block, and all the champions are taking L's. There's yep. so many title matches they can set up. Yep. Uh, if they choose to. Right. <laughs> Yano's still owed a shot from Kenny Omega. That's true. So I hope that first thing when Kenny wins the AEW title, inevitably... Uh, Yano does a guest spot. Could you imagine at, like, the next crossover gaming 60 event? 60-minute Iron Man <laughs> So much tape! <laughs> so many count-outs. Um, that, like, whoever, like, Omega jokingly has, like, a game controller in his hand. He puts in a cheat code, and he, it's meant to, like, unlock a Bushi, and people are all hyped. He puts in the wrong code, and Yano pops up. <laughs> and then That'll Yano gets his title. That would be fun, yeah. So, like, oh, God, yeah. The G one is incredible. Jay White is going on his improbable six six one six win streak that he has to do to win the block. He's won yep. three in a row. Yep. I I honestly thought his match with Taichi cemented for me like okay Taichi belongs in the main in like the main event picture. Yeah. Like not in it like the focus of it, but like right. he could be a contender. Yes, I think he he deserves to be in the main event as he's been um, when it's like an icy title match. Right. Where not like he's not like gonna. Headline the dome. No, he's not gonna headline the Wrestle Kingdom. But he's like, not gonna have like a competitive physical head-to-head match with Okada. Yeah, but his character work is everywhere that should have elevated a wrestler like him who's been around for so long in the junior division, which mm-hmm. is seen as lesser sort of, to heavyweight status and also like title meaningful program status. Yeah, yeah, he's he's great for like those kind of filler feuds. He's kind of a Baron Corbin kind of thing. Yeah. You get you throw him in like you know a wrestling dunk taku or whatever. You're you know, B or C show is if he was like, I, I don't think this is gonna, ha- this could have. Have he has he faced Juice Robinson yet? No, right? Taichi? Yeah, 
I don't think so. Are they in the? They're in the same. They're block. in the same block. So they, that must be coming up, right? Like, I mean, if Tai Chi versus Juice Robinson was the main event of like the Lowell show that we're going to, you know, or one of the U.S. shows they have coming up, like, yeah, I'd be like, hell yeah, yeah, I'd be hyped. Because the thing is, in like. Taishi's helped by so many things. He's helped by props. He's got the Iron Finger Doom around in his set. Like yeah. uh, bless Jay White for like two brilliant sound bites. Which, like, I'm I'm grateful for NJPW like being a Japanese company because then the English speaking wrestlers are just yelling their shit mm-hmm. all they want. Mm-hmm. And, like Jay White, a couple of times was like like the, before the match even starts, go take a satchel, take a satchel, <laughs> his satchel, take a satchel. <laughs> and then like Mio Abe was taking her time, be like being like enchanted with. Uh, tai Chi not getting out of the ring fast enough. He's like, hey, and he's like to Umino, get sweet chicks out of here too. He's like, you dick, <laughs> yeah, you unrepentant dick, yeah. Um, oh god. So like, he continues to just kind of like lay down on his back or his stomach to get out of the way of the mm-hmm. big spots. So many good near falls with him and Tai Chi. Yeah, there was a dope uh, Black Mephisto um, Blade Runner uh, co- uh, transition that yep. was incredible. Like some of these like things are just so fucking smart. Yeah. I mean, and when Taichi started like, adding new moves to his moveset mm-hmm. this year, and he took the Golden Star Powerbomb, I was like, oh, that's bullshit. That's a bushi. Leave it to a bushi. But no, he does a damn good last round. He does it good, and he does it like super suggestive when he pins. Yep. He, <laughs> he is gonna, he's gonna BF you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think about Kenta so far in this thing? He's getting surpri- booked surprisingly strong at yeah. this stage in the tournament. Right. Um, it, Tuesday, he fought Sonata and lost. And I'm yes. just like, why? Yeah. <laughs> why? Why the sexy pirate? So, yeah. like, all of the guys in A block. <laughs> Sonata's a spoiler. I, yeah. I love this part of the tournament where, like, people are out, but they're sometimes winning. Just right. go fuck with your goddamn predictions. Which, the thing is, like, when, it, when there's connection to it, it feels more... Like gratifying or rewarding, or like, oh, I paid attention, so now like I get I get a mm. prize for it. Like Zack Saber beating Osprey was fucking great. And yeah, like, of course he should be able to beat Osprey because they've wrestled each other a bunch of times, and he's a submission guy versus a guy with a shitty neck. Yep, that's perfect sense. With Sonata, it's just like you couldn't beat the Sparkly Pirate guy. <laughs> what the hell? Like you could beat Archer, you could beat Kota Ibushi, you could beat Tanahashi. You can't overcome the guy with the weirdest facial hair. He's tired. He just had a match with Okada. I that's think that's true. like yeah. yeah you got to factor that in. I think he has like one of the like they always they treat it like a sport, and I love that because yeah. they like have the stats before the matches. Like they're like this guy spent you know two hours and twenty minutes in like matches this uh, tournament, an average of like you know he's averaged. You know, the match averages like 20 minutes, he loses, but if it's like 10 minutes, he'll win. Like, I love that kind of thing. And I think, like, Kenta's had a lot of long, like, matches. Yes. Yeah, it's just interesting because, like, I think the uh, Super J-Cast had a thing where, uh, a thread on Twitter, uh, where they pointed out some YouTube comments. Like, <laughs> Japanese fans genuinely are not happy with Kenta <laughs> overall. Uh, interesting. It, yeah, it's. I think it's part of, like, how the announced team kind of frames it like he's just he's a guy who worked in noah went to the u.s for like five years and then he's just like in the g1 yeah you know just like i'm in the g1 now and you fucking whatever you people and yeah but it's funny because like there are a lot of um uh messages on uh, youtube that were echoing that sentiment and then a couple under like jay white's uh thing were like he's so cute and funny he's a good <laughs> heel <laughs> like, he is like yeah. 
I the thing that struck me with with Jay White specifically was just like he's such a good heel. He had me rooting for Tai Chi. Yeah, and like <laughs> he had a lot of people rooting for Tai Chi. Yeah, and Tai Chi is one of those guys where I'm just like I'm warming up to him. It's taken a while, and yeah. it's funny. I'm warming up to him at the same time that I'm cooling off on Sonata, and I'm fucking heating up incredibly on Evil. Yeah, where I feel like for all the trappings that Evil has in terms of just like he's got kind of a hokey entrance, he's got kind of a hokey persona, but he's in you as you had said, the best shape of his entire career. Yeah. And having really competitive physical matches and I just I wish he was winning more and I wish like he would been the I don't know if he's fought Kenta yet, but Yes, yeah. It wasn't yeah. a really memorable match. So I like I wish he had beaten Kenta because like he beat Ibushi in this right. tournament. So I'm just like, he gets marquee wins some of the time. I just wish that he had more, like, consistent, positive, upward momentum. Yeah. Because on the flip side, you got Shingo taking losses like fucking crazy, which yeah. makes sense. Yes. His first G1. Right. He's much smaller. But honestly, he has a much cooler persona and character than Evil. Evil's the Lord of Darkness. The fuck does that mean? Yeah. He's got a big sickle of lights up. Yeah, he's death. Well, evil. Yeah. Death is a stardom wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, oh, man, even if you took that literally of just, like, you're deaf and you lose matches, you suck at dying. <laughs> you suck at making people die. Yeah. Uh, but he... <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I think, like, uh, I feel like the G1 is more where Evil shines, and then the New Japan Cup's where Sonata shines. Because yeah. it seems like that's how it's been the past couple of years, and maybe someday that'll change. Yep. Uh, I think Sonata can be warmed up at any time. It's just, like, they needed somebody to take the losses this time, and he had his time to shine earlier this year. That's fair. It's funny because he's there to do that. I feel like Cobb is there to do that in the B block yeah. and also Fale in the A, where it's like I we did the um, the fun point scoring thing spreadsheet before the tournament started, mm-hmm. and I honestly had Fale winning much more. And at this point in the tournament, having watched him sweat so hard <laughs> in like matches that are ten minutes, yeah. give or take, I'm like I get it. Yeah, um, like it was a smart move having him start the tournament with a win in America because I, I feel like that makes more sense. I mm. guess um, we're with Evil basically running circles around him and not getting sweaty, but he's lost to everybody since. And I feel like the only memorable match yeah. really for me with Fale has been where Zack Saber just beat him into the crowd and then beat him back to the ring. Yeah, and then uh, got a countdown win. Yeah, good times. Yeah, have you kept up with the? I haven't looked at the um, the scoring spreadsheet. Yeah, because my self esteem is <laughs> fucking br- brutalized sometimes by this kind of thing. I mean, in in total fairness to the three of us doing it, me, you, and and Patrick, there was no knowing how strongly that they were going to book Kenta to this degree. I yeah, feel like he's one of those spoilers. I feel like the Archer's run has been improbably good for a guy who was only won twice. He's just looked so good. And they honestly put Jay White in such a deep hole early, and Naito, mm-hmm. that it, it would have been really clairvoyant to expect the type of storytelling they've been doing with a lot of people in the B-Block. Yeah, it's difficult. I'm going to look at this later and like see... Do you know how if Patrick's really been keeping up with the spreadsheet? He has? I'm pretty sure he has. Right. Um, and I'm going to say he has because I'm winning. <laughs> but... Um, it, it, oh, God. It, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Um Starting out so hot with so many of the shows being back to back to back, mm. it has definitely made it feel like it's starting to, if for no other reason, the rest the wrestlers' safety be like one of those things that they have to start to like have days of breaks in between. Yeah, which is a fan. I'm just like, no, nah, give me more. But it it's good. Yeah, it's fine. It's uh, it's well paced. Yeah, it's. I mean, they're doing like, I think it's still like mostly Saturday Sunday shows. Yeah, and then like you know a Tuesday and Thursday or a. 
you know, a Monday and a Wednesday or something like that. Yeah, we talked about it last week. Dude. For me, what felt like a random show on a Wednesday, I was like, oh, it's a treat. I don't have to wait for the weekend. Yep. It's nice when they have a show when I'm working from home. Yeah. So I can just be up and have it ready to go by the time I get back from my run. Mm-hmm. Hey, we watch the wrestling, and they're strong mans because we're strong mans. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And man, I did just getting back to Lance Archer. Yeah. Cool guy. Yeah. He's a guy you can look at and be like, yeah, I, even if he'll never win, he just, he sells me on his image and he believes in himself. And all he has to say is three words. Yes, everybody dies. And it's not even two, because like I was thinking about that, I was like, does he mean everybody? No, he just means everybody. Yeah, because it's EBD claw. It's so yeah. campy, <laughs> and I love it. Yeah, his match with Okada was really good. Yeah. I like, be, like, because of shit like Sonata winning against Kenta randomly. I buy that, like, I buy near falls in, like, a, an Archer or Okada match that I normally wouldn't. Yeah. I also would, like, if that's an Okada-Archer as a rematch would also have been a good main event for, you know, the U.S. tour. Right. If they, you know, go, choose to have a one-on-one match with Okada at all. But I would love that. Yeah. And, I mean, his match before this was against Ibushi, and he mm-hmm. countered the Kamigoya with a Kamigoya. Yeah. Hell fucking yeah. Yep. Six-foot-eight guy no sold in the head. It. Yep. No sold it and looked like a fucking beast, and it was like... Yeah, he's he's coming to his own a lot. That's how you build monsters, folks. This is the Lance Archer uh, Love Podcast. We love uh, him! <laughs> he, we didn't before, but now we do. Yeah. Uh, it took us 20 episodes of the rest of them. By the way, happy 20th episode! Yeah! I think. I may have misnumbered one or so. We're gonna steal a car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, Keenan? We're gonna steal a car, and then we're gonna run into Roman Reigns, and he won't get hurt. That's... <laughs> 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 That was such a bizarre ending to SmackDown. Yeah, if, yeah. Uh, if you haven't watched it, uh, in the last, like, 45 seconds of SmackDown, I think some things must have run over. Right. Because uh, they were teasing, like, an interview with Roman Reigns where he's going to announce his opponent for SummerSlam. And then, like, some shelves fell on him. Mm-hmm. And then some boxes fell independently. <laughs> like, the camera just cut, like, three or four times to, like, different things, like a fucking uh, Sergei Eisenhower movie. It was, like, some... Oh, it was weird. It was, and I was like worried because uh, I was like, "Oh fuck!" If like, I thought they were like gonna write Roman out for a little bit. Well, I was like, "Oh, I don't like the implications of that." Like behind the scenes, but right. then, Could but then sick. like the next day, they were like, "Oh, he's not hurt. He's fine. <laughs> he's <laughs> just clumsy." <laughs> yeah, he just he just something. Someone tried to attack him, but he fucking brushed it off. Yeah, <laughs> which bless internet users who were just like. Analyzing every frame like the Zapooter film of just like no, it was Buddy Murphy. Yeah, look at Buddy Murphy hanging out backstage, minding his own business. He did it. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, if uh, if Buddy Murphy was the attacker, Roman Reigns should thank him. Yeah, for like getting him, giving him something to do other than beat up Drew McIntyre for a week. Yeah, Drew ju- McIntyre also should thank Buddy Murphy <laughs> for not letting him get beat up by Roman Reigns for the like. 50th consecutive week. Right. Which, I mean, if that comes to pass in terms of Buddy Murphy gets a program with Reigns, that's great because in parallel you have Cedric Alexander fighting Drew McIntyre. So you finally start to get a little bit more faith aside from just Ali. People can go from 205 Live to another brand and mean something. Yeah, I know. I... I, I, I need those two back in my life. Yeah. They're they're amazing wrestlers who are in their primes. Both of them, like, reinvented themselves. But yeah. Now they're reinventing catering. <laughs> Some one of them might be reinventing shelving <laughs> and doing a bad job of it. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Buddy Murphy, bad Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, uh, I think this is a good time to drop our new uh, 
our new sponsor. Uh, obviously, it's uh, Bad Jesus. <laughs> the sequel to Porno the Sequel. Uh, oh, no. It's a movie about a Jesus who's not good at being Jesus, but is good at dick. <laughs> Spotted dick. Amateur detective work. You name it, he's real good at it. It's all kinds. It's all all the the, the entendres. It's really <laughs> all That's of the them. tagline. All the entendres. Well, the tagline is technically, as I said, it all dot 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 all all the entendres. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of writing happening no. in the advertising in the marketing departments of uh, if our a lot of our sponsors, frankly. The, just the coked out advertising team that was just like ellipses. That's what sells pictures. Yeah, I mean people like dots, <laughs> like dipping dots, and then polka dots on like clothes. No, that adds up. Stranger Things uses Morse code a lot, so people like the Stranger Things. People like retro things. Morse code's retro. And nothing more retro than the Son of God <laughs> <laughs> and sex. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Brought to you by the the makers of like I said the sequel or uh, the the movie Porno the sequel uh, the movie that brought porno to a new generation uh, mostly by putting it on a blank disc and having you imagine it with your mind uh, <laughs> that that was our sponsor until they came up with this other movie that's true <laughs> <laughs> we were we were having a hell of a time trying to get people to imagine more of like things in their heads like what do we look like. What does wrestling look like with us describing it? Nope. Yeah. Now we get Bad Jesus to help people fill in the blanks. Yeah, no, like, yeah, it's... Boro the sequel is, like, Boro, but to the next, uh, next, uh, next... The next level. And Bad Jesus is Jesus, but maybe to a lower level. Uh, <laughs> to a more depraved level. Because he's bad and not good. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. He holds Sully down and gives it the business. Yep. Spits right in its eye. Yeah. So, yeah, brought to you by Kyla, the, the maker of porno, the sequel. Uh, <laughs> she did a good job, I think, from the bits of the movie that I've seen. Uh, a lot of hair. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's natural, man. Also, it was the the decade, the first decade That's so, of yep. time. So, like, <laughs> uh, cutting tools and grooming were not, you know, up to par with our modern standards. It's amazing that the tape lasted 2,000 years <laughs> for them to be able to remaster it and release it. Uh, they filmed it today, probably. Showing like, out. Like, literally today. <laughs> on the Shroud of Turin. <laughs> Bad Jesus. Uh, you know what the stain on that shroud is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bad luck, Fale's sweat. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> bad Jesus, bad luck, Fale. Uh, both of them on a TV screen, hopefully in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're good at selling things. <laughs> um, hey, we're trying. Uh, we gotta have that podcast money come in, it's true. so that you know we can have our. You know, multiple Super Bowl rings that we bought off eBay, um, most of which I've given to Keaton at this point. Uh, he, I have too many. Uh, That's Keaton, fair. Right, buddy? You like putting the rings on your ears and then wiggling your ears. Little man. He's a decadent little man. Yeah. He looks very cool. Yes. He's a good guy. Oh, yeah. God. So should we go to Segment Mania? Segment Mania! Yeah. Cow, cow, cow. Whoop.
Um, <laughs> That's the thunderclap, baby. <laughs> um, I'm going to use that to put the theme song in later. Because <laughs> I haven't been using it. Because I am lazy. <laughs> and I don't like the sound of my own voice. Also, I was here for this conversation. Why would I listen to it more? Uh, <laughs> Are you giving director's commentary on what's happening right now in your head as it's happening? A little. Well, I'm just... This is just... I'm, I'm sharing the process of editing this podcast with you. Great. Um, yeah. So, yeah, our, our segment media this week is based off of... Well, it was your suggestion, but I assume it's based off of the rumor that WWE is making a concerted effort to make Seth Rollins cool. Yep. Uh, which, frankly, I... I don't believe every rumor I hear. This one sounds like it was made by like someone who hates Seth Rollins <laughs> backstage, and was like, you know, why they took him, took the Universal title off him? Because he's not fucking cool. <laughs> he's a dork. Yeah, I bet he plays Dungeons and Dragons mm. and like drinks a bunch of big gulps. And he he's a godlike man, yeah. excellent physique. So yeah, it does feel a little bit like one of those vengeful rumors. But also, it's one of those things of just like. If you're going to champion people as, like, your standard bearers for your company, then they should have a little bit of swagger to them that makes them magnetic, so it's also a little bit believable. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like he's, I know it's, like, the 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 smart cliche to be like, turn that face heel so he'll be cool, but, like, he's much better as a heel. Yeah. I like him as a face, but, like... I don't know, it's like, the more spotlight you shine on him, the more it's like, oh yeah, he's kind of unlikable in some ways. Right. Like, when he like, speaks up about like how good WWE is, and like, you know, talk shit to Will Ospreay, yep. it's just like, the nature of his position as like, the top guy, who's always been WWE's like, priority, mm. it kind of like, comes off badly. Like, for Rollins, it's weird for me that like, when The Shield got called up, from I feel like WWE's point of view, and from like wrestlers and like fans in the know point of view, he was the least like thought out character in the Shield. Mm. Like Reigns was the muscle, the pretty boy who was eventually going to be like the new Rock. Dean Ambrose is your lunatic who mm. could just easily transition to like a Brian Pillman, loose cannon, or mankind like great promo guy. Yeah, and his matches will be fine no matter what. Rollins, it almost felt like they didn't know what to do with him. Yeah, so he was just the brains of the operation. He was yeah, the, the they, architect. God, I hated that so much. Because, yeah. like, what did you build? You <laughs> made three guys show up together. You didn't build anything. It's a real bad Jesus right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. CrossFit yeah. Jesus, bad Jesus. Makes sense. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's all to frame the point of kudos to him for him and Ambrose recognizing ahead of time when the shield break was coming that... They probably didn't have a lot of plans for either one. Rollins got the benefit of being the chosen one from the authority, so he got yeah. a title run from it, multiple, and the backing of the authority. Ambrose just went off and like was rebellious, was injured, did movies, came back, found his own footing on his own, but not really. So, to what you're saying, like eventually they warmed up to Rollins to the point where he was always around. Yeah. So, like him punching down to people like Osprey is what it feels like. Is punching down of just like he has worked hard. Yeah. And where he is is a direct result of everything that he put in. Came back from a career-threatening knee injury, and two of them. Two of them. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. And like, will consistently put on the best matches on any of WWE's cards or live shows. Yep. No one's doubting his ability, but he's not accessible. He's not relatable. Yeah. So I guess one of the ways you get around that is, ah, oh, he's a cool guy. Yeah, yeah. You make him cool. I also think there's also a thing I've read. Uh, recently where they did uh, sort of a blind um, uh, focus group kind of thing and just showed, like, people clips of, like, wrestlers to see what they thought, and people thought that, like, Becky Lynch 
and uh, Velveteen Dream were like stars. Yeah. But Seth Rollins, they were like, oh, he's, he seems like he's just a normal guy. Right. And that's true. It's like, it's kind of hard to build. He's not a larger-than-life character, which is kind of one of his virtues as a face. But it's also kind of like, I don't know, I think as Universal Champion, he hasn't had opportunities to like have great matches like he was doing when he was in the mid-card. Yeah. So like you take away the thing that he's best at, and then you're, like, amplifying the things that are worst about him. Yep. Like, when he goes on the conference call the other day and, uh, like, said, bizarrely said that John Moxley is trying to take food from his table. Yeah. Which is, I'm sure Mox, uh, Moxley has his own food. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm I sure, mean, and if he did And he's in Japan right now, right. so it's too far away. This food was spoiled by the time it gets to him. Yeah, Renee Young knows better. She yeah. wouldn't mail him food that would go boredly. No. If he even needed it, but yeah. Rollins feels like he's the guy trying to play the part of flag bearer versus Mm -hmm. being the flag bearer. Yeah. Which is weird because so much of, like, the Roman Reigns to death booking we got for years was, he is the future accepted. Yeah. But he played it really well. Mm -hmm. He was very humble, unassuming, and he was just like, I'm going to do everything that they asked me to do and not overplay it. Like, you can argue that he did... Like really bad jobs with the, the suffering succotash promos. Yeah, but, but no one could do good with like some of the material that he had. Exactly, and I feel like Rollins is different in that he has more self confidence to be outspoken than Reigns does because Reigns is more kind of unassuming. But what he chooses to say is so vapid yeah. and like self serving. He has the exact <clears throat> same problem as Will Osprey in that like <laughs> I love their wrestling skill, yeah. but I do not want to hear their opinions. Don't as people. talk. Yeah. Yep. Just just do the flippy things, please. Uh, like kudos, uh, every every compliment for winning Becky Lynch is over yeah. in terms of because I, I, you can't take that away from him. Yeah, and I feel like confidence is a magnet for more confidence, so it makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. So like for Segment Mania, what we want to do with that in mind, like I think, I mean the the rumor focused on Seth Rollins, but I think WWE overall has a very uh, a, a problem with just not being very cool. Yeah, I mean their their sense of humor has always been very <clears throat> juvenile. Uh, they're pushing people who audiences are re- rejecting pretty regularly, uh, you know. And I think part of that is because it's like run by a seventy-something-year-old, like a billionaire. There's, there's nothing to relate about. Uh, he's out of time a little bit, at least. Yep. Um, you know, he's in a different uh, economic class than most fans. Can show up whenever he wants to a company, in fairness, that he owns, and rewrite everything last minute. Yep. Which sometimes it's really great, like SmackDown last week, or sometimes it's really confusing, like SmackDown this week. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it's it's what's hurting the women's tag division. Yep. Um, but uh, who better to tell WWE how to be cool than two podcast hosts who are swimming in podcast money? Yeah, we are the good Jesus of podcasts. Yeah, but you should still buy the movie Bad Jesus. <laughs> With your lots and lots of chips. Uh, <laughs> the exchange rate is surprisingly good for you. <laughs> I meant together, they make a good snack. Um, it's not all sex and bad Jesus, so you got times to, when you can eat. Uh, oh, and it's something you can do inside of your uh, make your own bounce house. So, oh god, you know all of all of our sponsors. You know, they're very cool. Yeah. Uh, so we know what it's like to be cool, and we have some tips for WWE for how to become cool. Number one, Fedora Dance Battle. Uh, <laughs> here's what I mean. Okay. Of just... I feel like it's self-explanatory. <laughs> but let me explain. Let me explain, yeah. So, um, 
I feel like a lot of what WWE's been experiencing lately with things that are getting over are just embraced when they're silly in their nature. Like, mm-hmm. the 24-7 title is very fun to watch because they have wrestlers fully leaning into the concept that this is very silly and not meant to be taken seriously. And I, I don't know why this came to mind specifically, but no one has a signature hat right now. Nobody. That's true. Uh, Lacey Evans sort of does, but it's inconsistent. Yeah, she like, has a different hat every match. Yeah, there's there's a longer point I'm going to make later about just like consistency in general can mm-hmm. feed coolness, but like fedoras in general are not very cool. Yeah, but here, here's how you do that: fedora dance battle turn into a tournament. Uh, everyone gets a fedora at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> if you lose the dance battle, you lose your fedora. And at the end, a man is the king of fedoras by way of visually like a totem pole of fedora. Okay. And is the ultimate champion. Oh, so the winner of each dance battle gets a fedora on top of his or her fedora. Correct. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I, you're on to something. <laughs> on to something. If you're, you know, it's like two negatives make a positive. Exactly. Uh, two, you know, uh, so many fedoras, uh, and then you stack them together, and then you have a very tall fedora, man. I think, you know, I've. The worst part of uh, Andrade, uh, formerly Cien Almas' yeah. character, was when he debuted and he was wearing like suspenders and a fedora for a while. Right. And the problem was that he didn't have a fedora on top of his fedora. <laughs> uh, you know, that's I've, I see that as a very valid point. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was going to blame it on the suspenders, but yeah. It's funny because... Suspenders we- are good. He had pants. Yep. Uh, how was he going to keep them up? Problem solved. Fedora. <laughs> then if you have like eight fedoras on top of your head, no one's looking at your pants. Or nope. <laughs> listening to your promos. Yeah. <laughs> Just wondering how they all stay up together. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, that was one idea I had. Uh, one is just uh, like... Can I, get, I get you one mine? Oh, please. I, please. Don't have, I don't have a ton of them, but uh, everyone on skateboards. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... Listen, I, you know... I'm too old to be on skateboards now, but like I'm, and I'm not hip enough. But I know that they're the coolest thing because all the teens that live outside my apartment are on skateboards all the time, and I know that I'm old because I'm always really mad at them for no reason. Yep. And I think that that would help uh, WWE if they had more characters who were on skateboards and they like said things like radical and uh, tubular. And honestly, if like it, it lends very naturally into bol- into heel frustration tactics. The ones who can't skateboard very well are just going to use them as weapons. Yeah, exactly. And they're going to make the people who can do sick things like ollies and nollies in like nose grabs fall down, and that's not very fun. Yeah, uh, can you imagine if Seth Rollins did an ollie? Uh, I would on, hate like, him so much more <laughs> on the on the ring ropes. Yeah, like, you know, it would be it would be very cool. See, on the ring ropes would be impressive. Immediately, yeah. my mental image was like, he's doing ollies to the ring, and I'm just like, you know what, it's safe, and I'm glad he's not hurting himself, but fuck you. <laughs> but also, um, on the, I mean, it also would speed up all of the entrances. It's true. Everyone would just roll down, and then uh, I think it would also, I, I guess it might hurt the exits, because it's uphill, <laughs> but like, I don't know, I mean, if it's uphill and they're probably tired from wrestling, Yep. but... You Nothing's know, cooler than wasting time, though. <laughs> yeah, it would. I I assume the time saved by rolling down the slope uh, would be offset by the time wasted going up. Uh, Those are my, physics. This is my opinion, and you could sell cool skateboard decals on the shop. Uh, you know, like uh, just 
they spray paint Firefly Funhouse on one, and the permanent marker Finn Balor on another one. I know that they're not going to put any effort into that because they don't put any effort into any of their merch. <laughs> but hey, that, I mean, you know it's, what's you know what's not cool? Effort. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> don't want to be a tryhard. Oh my god! I mean, if they could somehow like bottle all of the apathy that makes Orange Cassidy appealing mm-hmm. and just transplant that in some way into like their segments or personas of just like this is how you make not being like disconnected look fucking cool guys yeah I want Seth Rollins to fall asleep in the middle of a match then I will think he's cool also if he falls asleep on top of a skateboard and <laughs> then rolls down to the ring the, the funniest visual image I got when you first said that was just like, imagine you hear the roar of Braun Strowman and then him just slowly rolling down. Uh, I mean, they could do a thing where he steps on a skateboard and it breaks in half and then he's exempt from the skateboard rule. <laughs> <laughs> These are good workarounds. Or he gets a really big skateboard, not like a longboard, but like two of them strapped together. Yep. A super skateboard. I want so many skateboards parked around the ring, and then you do, like, that superplex collapse the ring spot, and you see skateboards fly out. <laughs> and there's a bunch of skateboards under the ring. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Why were there chairs? <laughs> oh, God. Can you imagine how mad whoever Triple H is, if he looked under the ring, and instead of a sledgehammer, pulled out a skateboard? <laughs> it was just like, good luck, H. And then he hit the other person with the wheels of a skateboard. <laughs> with his hand covering it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what's your next idea? Um, just stables who like come out together, dress together, and like okay. the OC is a good example of this. Where um, I want at least beyond just the color scheme, I want something in common that connects all of them to let you know that they're in a group. Aside from just like oh, they're dressed in the similar color, mm. like that's part of what I think makes the Undisputed Era so cool is that they have they have the armbands. Yeah, which like it's made the, it it's funny. It their color scheme is black and yellow or gray and yellow, and it's so close to the Nexus. Yeah, but which in and of itself was very cool. Like you were either a Nexus armband wearer or you weren't. Mm-hmm. But because they come out together, they dress similarly, they wear the armbands all the time, so it's consistent. Like what we mentioned earlier, and they win every so often. It makes you want to buy their stuff. Yeah, and it also like when we went to NXT Takeover twenty five, there were grown men air guitaring when Eric Cole, <laughs> Cole won. Yeah, and, and they and people love the catchphrases. People love doing the boom in their uh, theme song. Yep. So, in part of it's repetition, the other part of it is just, like, simple and fun to chant. So, like, fun chants and, catch, like, not so much catchphrases as yeah. much as just, like, short things that everybody can get on board with. Like, it's what made Yes so magnetic. Right. It makes Boom so magnetic now. Yeah. Uh, my second idea is that everyone should jewel. <laughs> as many wrestling I know that they're like trying to be TVPG but like they could do it like on their Instagrams or something like I know that they're promote not... smoking I know oh my that... god I know that they have like uh, during Raw they air like anti-smoking ads or whatever <laughs> but like no one's stopping Drake Maverick from fucking lighting one up uh, electronically uh, oh, on his Instagram while he's trying to win the 24-7 title. Um, I know it does, also doesn't make sense for a bunch of athletes to be smoking. <laughs> but, but, I mean, it seems to be very popular. I know a lot of people who are doing that. Uh, I think they're going to die soon. But, like... Um, so you know, kids on skateboards. But they're going to they're, they're die... They're going to die cool. 
And uh, that's more than I can say uh, for myself in some ways. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, if, if some of us are lucky enough, when we die, we'll come back. Who, who like bad <laughs> <But> Jesus? <laughs> well, you don't know if he's going to come back because he's a bad Jesus. I guess, <laughs> you know, I don't want to spoil the end of the movie, uh, or really the midway points of the movie, uh, because who knows, the second half could just be uh, people having sex with each other mournfully. Because he died. On skateboards. Of course, on a skateboard. Right. Most of my ideas for how to make WWE cool. <laughs> taken from Bad Jesus. It's an excellent tie-in. Yeah. I just... Like, the thing that it will never happen, but yeah. I would want, is like Randy Orton throw somebody up in the air so high that he has the chance to take a drag from an e-cigarette <laughs> and then hit an RKO. That honestly would be cool. It yeah. promotes smoking, but it would be fucking cool. Yeah. I Anything that makes Randy Orton cool uh, ahead of SummerSlam. Yeah. Which honestly is just people like finding different ways to fall at him. <laughs> He's got uh, the fallenest guy out there now, Kofi Kingston. So it's true. I don't want Kofi to smoke. I think he's he's a good guy. He doesn't deserve that. Right. Um, but everyone else, fucking toke yeah. up. That's right. Um, the third idea I had was just group dances. Okay. And like, it's it's something that took a painfully uncool tag team in like the late nineties, early aughts with two with two cool, mm-hmm. and it turned two dancing white guys from the south into magne- magnetic people who bought their glasses yep. and like funny pants, and then you ad- added Rikishi, and it became a whole like show break for everybody of just like you don't have to watch hyperviolence or like misogyny or Stone Cold Steve Austin cracking beers and punching people in the face. You can just watch three grown men dance. Yeah, and it was fun. Yeah, it was a fun and successful gimmick. Right. And uh, now, uh, one of them's dead, and one of them can't be uh, <laughs> can't be medically cleared to wiggle his butt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Poor Scotty Toy. <laughs> yeah, and one's, I think, a producer or something at NXT. So, yeah. you know what? One out of three, that's right. pretty good for wrestling. It is. Um, and, like, I feel like it, this actually is used kind of here and there with uh, the seven-second dance break, yeah. which came out of the Mixed Math Challenge, so... More more praise and kudos will heap on to Carmel and our truth. Yeah. But it, it's something that in a production schedule that demands five hours of original content live, you could use to eat up some time and be accessible and sell merch. Mm-hmm. Just like, this is their dance gear, this is their dance music, sell some digital downloads. Yeah, there's a, yeah it's a good idea because it just, it's just some things that break up the wrestling that yeah. isn't promos. Right. Uh, because they have, first off, they're not good at them now, uh, and also... You know, it's just a thing to break up uh, the monotony of the whole thing. Yep. Well, not monotony, but because you know, we love it. But like, right. uh, just the formulaicness. Yes. Yeah. Make it, it less predictable. Every raw has, uh, yeah, every SmackDown raw kind of feels the same in some very broad way. Yep. Uh, my next idea was uh, just throw some of the web content onto friggin' the actual show. Yeah. Like just some of it. Like not, you know. So much of it is just so much better than what they're producing, yeah. and it just feels more real. Like the um, this week, uh, they advertised a women's tag match for SmackDown, which they had set up in the previous episode. Yep. Uh, and then they just didn't do it. Right. But they had a nice little uh, video explaining why. Uh, and it was because uh, well, it was the women's match was going to be the Iconics, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce versus uh, Fire and Desire, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, Billy Kay came down with puppy fever, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been going around, and <laughs> she couldn't compete. Yeah. And then they had a thing where Oscar uh, and Kyrie Sane and Paige uh, tried to get into it with everybody, and they called into um, 
uh, Fire and Desire's uh, history with Paige, and it was a nice little you know bit of callback that it's the kind of thing that we're always asking for them to do, uh, but they just leave it up on their website right. when they decide not to do a thing that they told us they were gonna do. Yeah, <clears throat> it, it's something where it, it's symptomatic of just like tag teams in general because NXT this week Fandango is back. Yep. So now the fashion or to NXT, mm. so the the fashion files can happen again if they choose to do it. Yep. And in a show that typically just programs an hour very tight and very well, and programs well in advance or tapes well in advance, that's one more thing that could make it like that much more enjoyable to see, and hopefully maybe makes its way back out. But it's going to be entertaining if it comes back. Yeah, and like I mean, they do some like pre-tape stuff before, like the, the whole Adam Cole uh, championship tour, which was brilliantly assholeish. Yeah. Uh, which is also very cool. Um, you know, Adam Cole, uh, he's doing a good job harassing Johnny Gargano and trainees for no reason. Yeah. Uh, but I would say 3A for my for my point uh, also. Uh, stop advertising things and then not doing them. Yep. Uh, you know what's not cool? Being a flake. Yeah. And that's what WWE feels like on SmackDown for the past, like, year. Yeah. Uh, they've made Danny Bryan into one. It's yeah. very strange. It's weird. It's like... I don't know what they're doing. Like, it feels... At this point, it feels deliberate. Yeah. That they're like, he's got a big announcement, and then he, like, comes out and then doesn't say anything and then leaves. Uh, I mean, I hope the rumors that he's going to 205 Live are true, even though it seems kind of weird, because, like, he's such a big name that he should be... I don't know. It's... Whatever it winds up being, maybe he'll... Maybe they're trying to get some of that Lacey Evans heat on him. Maybe. Some of that, like, I'm going to walk out and do nothing. Yeah. Which, when he finally wrestles, it'll be the opposite of Lacey Evans. Yeah. Like, oh, wow, this guy actually is very good. Oh, no, he forgot to wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what the big announcement was. He forgot how to wrestle. Uh, he took a bump on the noggin, and he got wrestling amnesia. The only man who can help him is a certified vintner who doesn't know how to speak, and that's Rowan. <laughs> uh, what was your next one? Had one. Um, that that was it. I okay. Mean, the the biggest thing I had in all of these things was consistency, like yes. you said. Of yeah. Just have characters lean into what their motivations are heavily. Adam Cole bought pizza yep. from his arch rival's dad. Yep. And, and then put a picture of himself on the fucking wall. Yeah, he did. That was, and then he took the pizzas to trainees at NXT and said, "This is for you to go home and rethink your lives." Yeah. You're and not, yeah. <laughs> You're so not good. good enough. You'll never win this title. Yep. Uh, your your hero and mentor lied to you. Yep. I'm here to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, what a dick. Yep. Great stuff. I'm yeah. still catching up on NXT, but I'll uh, probably finish the episode I was in the middle of after, the, after we recorded this. Mm-hmm. Uh, my last suggestion was one that came up uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, live sax show. Oh, God. Um, it's back. Everybody loves saxophones. <laughs> uh, they play a very prominent role in both... Uh, Bad Jesus and Porno the Sequel, uh, as they do in most porno soundtracks, uh, because it's the sexiest instrument, and you know what's cool? Sex. So Safe sex. <laughs> safe, Which safe. is what makes Bad Jesus bad. He's never safe. Yeah, no, nothing safe about his sex or his sax. As soon as that um, hammer comes out, someone someone's going to get it. Yeah, he's an architect uh, and a carpenter. Uh, I don't quite know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> in this moment, but I will look it up uh, as soon as I put on some sexy sax soundtracks, which they should do on Raw in the middle of the ring uh, with probably Becky and uh, Seth 
Given you know they're the closest proxies, I maybe my, the Canellas. I don't know. We got we got some couples that could be an approximation to Edge and Lita back in the day. Fair enough. Uh, point is, looking give me that sax music. Give me that sax. Hey, yep. No, nope, almost said it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not there yet. I'm not sold on the idea entirely. <laughs> no, you just you don't you don't think it'll be cool to just tune into Raw and then there's a guy in the middle of the ring and it's going. If he's doing it with his mouth, yes. Oh. If he's doing it with an, with an instrument, it better be Elias. Because, like, that, oh, that's another, it's just, it's the final tangent I'll have to, like, cool things are just, like, have one mechanic work for one person, which is why Elias is so great. It yep. was arguably one of the best parts of Mania, which was too long, but, mm-hmm. like, he played a concert with himself. He played yep. with himself in front of 80,000 people. And I'll say this again, not enough sacks. Not, en- <laughs> not enough sacks. It was, it just a band without a saxophone is confusing to me at this point. Um, <laughs> uh, I want them do 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 I should put like that on nineteen fifties news tape. Yeah, Jer wants that do 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 do. That's the music I like. That's the music <laughs> that gets my my groove shaken. Uh, and that is how we think WWE can be cool again. Yeah. Keaton, do you have any suggestions for how to make WWE cool? No, just sleeping and napping. He's dreaming that would help skateboarding. Yeah, that's <laughs> my cat on a skateboard. Yeah, uh, where he would most comfortably be able to nap and get food. Yeah, uh, if he wanted to transport from the bedroom to the kitchen that way, right, bud? It's one of the best ways you can have wrestlers connect with the audience. Good luck, good news, everyone. This is how we get from A to B and feed ourselves. <laughs> wheels. <laughs> that's right, and the best soundtrack to Wheels, Live Zax. <laughs> Oh man, uh, I think that's it for the wrestle down. You think? Yeah, we good. Go yeah, um, the, we got SummerSlam yep. and Takeover coming up next weekend, and they're gonna be great. Yep, we're gonna. Well, one of them will be great. And we'll <laughs> see. I I have all the faith in Takeover, right. and I'm like, we'll see about SummerSlam. I don't even remember what half the card is, other than like a couple main events. Fair enough. Uh, the women's matches and the two main events, and that's about all I remember right now. Yep, but. Uh, yeah, should be a good show. Yeah. I mean, we're going to do a wrestle day about it. This is good. true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... The last thing I'll say is the, the breakout tournament was successful in getting me very excited about four people. Yeah. And then kind of being like, okay, you're here yeah. with the other four. Yeah. Uh, love Angel Garza. Yeah. I wanted to uh, talk about that next week. Oh, okay. Because I'm, I'm not caught up yet. Fair I enough. Haven't, I've only seen like two or three of the matches that ah. happened. So, yeah, I got like three episodes... I'm like three episodes back in NXT. Got it. So I got to like... You know, skedaddle. All right. Yeah. Run the tape back and dub over some sexy sax music. Live sax man show <laughs> coming to you from a raw near you. Uh, get at us, Vince McMahon. Uh, we're going to give you some sunglasses and put you on a skateboard <laughs> that runs on Jewel. Dear listener, you just heard the live sax remix. <laughs> did it do do did it do do down? <laughs> That's the wrestle down. <laughs> I'm Jer Palapal, Twitter.com, Swing Dingling. That's Bruno at DBruno42 at D- Sensei Denny B on Twitter. And Keaton at Keaton Fuzzy on Instagram. Uh, he touches your heart. Bye bye. <laughs>